Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. My name's Dodge. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years and thrown thousands of parties across the UK. And I'm also the owner of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Everyone who knows me knows I love people, having a laugh <laughs> and asking lots of questions. So I've been chatting to people with one thing in common. They've all lived eventful lives. This week, I'm delving into the eventful life of my friend and colleague, Craig Mathy. Craig is the Managing Director of Bournemouth Sevens Festival, Vice President of the National Outdoor Events Association, and a self-confessed events geek. In this very open chat, we cover the pandemic, online abuse, discrimination, and how his mental health was affected by not fully dealing with his own sexuality. I couldn't be prouder of the shy young lad who walked through my door 11 years ago. He's flying the flag for an industry in crisis and raising the awareness for some great causes along the way. Here he is, the extremely talented Mr. Craig Mathy. Craig, welcome to the show, mate. Hello, nice to be here. Yeah, it is good. We've only walked about 10 yards. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Just through the door, yeah, no. It's good to see, uh, good to see it all happening. Yeah, good, sure. good, good, good. Well, let's, um, let's get cracking. Let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and what gave you that real sort of passion for events? Wow. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So I am. Um, I'm from Bournemouth. I, I've always lived locally. Uh, I have. Um, yeah. I, I grew up. Went to Bournemouth school. Uh, I've always been based down here. Friends and family and everything. So that's where my passion for the area comes from. That's why I'm so proud to to work on an event that's local. Uh, and I guess in terms of being an events person, it's always been my thing. I've always been super organized, super prepared uh, in groups of friends, uh, everything kind of always loved the detail. And um, it for me really started in fundraising and charity work and stuff like that. But yeah, it's always been my, always been a passion, knew it was going to be my calling. Uh, and yeah, just love it. What, what age do you reckon, Craig, that you were thinking, yeah, this, this world is for me? I don't know, 10, 11, mm. start of secondary school, probably. Um, I was always quite, at school was always very representative like being kind of class rep and all that kind of stuff uh like mega square uh, <laughs> and proud as well square and proud i think is uh, is absolutely me so i always knew that um but for me like the reason to work in events the reason i do what i do is because i love bringing people together and playing a role in that so even like on a social side you know where that's coming from yeah definitely before I was a teenager I knew what I wanted mm. to do I didn't know necessarily it would be a career like I think that came a little bit later I wanted to be a lawyer originally but um yeah decided that I wanted to work in boundaries were a bit a bit less confined than yeah. the law so but yeah, yeah. yeah. you'd make a good lawyer too mate I've seen you yeah thank you very much yeah <laughs> like professional professional arguer I think my sister would uh, my sister would tend to agree with you I think but yeah no I do enjoy the law I like well, I do quite a lot of work in, in and around that space so um yeah but for me it, it is it's about people uh, and i think that's why i love doing what mm. we do it's uh, it's such a wicked thing to be involved yeah. with um and that all kind of came out of and developed out of that journey that you go through as you grow up and um yeah it it, it kind of fell very naturally mm. to me and yeah can you remember your first big event you put on my kind of formative years in in the events world were in were in fundraising um, and and I did an awful lot of that sort of stuff at school. So, uh, and I've got this just desire to always do things better than they were done last time. Yeah. Um, so continuing my journey of being a square through school, uh, I was head boy. Uh, Get that and in there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, like I will I constantly refer back to the nature of being a square. Yeah. Um, so when I was head head boy at school, um, I, I really wanted to kind of go over and above with kind of our socials, our uh, Christmas ball, our end of year party. Um, I remember organizing a, a party at uh, AFC Bournemouth 
uh, and we invited the teachers along and the teachers had never been before, uh, which I always thought was a bit weird. You spend like all of these years like developing through school as, as teenagers and then into young adults and then you go and celebrate it all and the teachers that kind of went along the road with you. Uh, so they came along um, and we uh, had, I'd made it work financially so that there was enough money in the pot for everyone to get some free drinks when they arrived and stuff, which blew everyone's mind and the teacher was like, Craig, you just keep giving me vouchers. This is unreal. Um, so yeah, uh, and then I got some really good results. So uh, it's just weird how those things kind of come out. But yeah, no, there's that nothing was... Wrong. There's nothing wrong with bunging the teacher's quote. No, uh, unfortunately, I didn't quite get the A-levels I wanted. But um, yeah, no, it, in all seriousness, that was wicked. I loved throwing that party. Um, and then going on from that, I think uh, I very sadly lost my best friend when we were 18 and my formative years of event planning was was all around fundraisers in his memory so um and that was wicked i consider that a gift from him really in having left to have gone into fundraising um and we did things like and they started off quite what was, so, what was his name Craig? Uh, so steve bernard um and yeah we were we were best friends at school and he unfortunately passed away when we were 18 in a car accident and what we did is we initially started having memorial events. Steve was a wicked kid. He was honestly the, the best mate you could ask for at school. And um, I think like there are a thousand people at his funeral. So like if yeah, you're 18 years old and you've had that and, kind of impact on yeah. people then, um, and, and also like through his family and, and Tony, who I know very well, um, and, and Sue, who's his, his mum, um, actually live with Steve's younger brother, Jack. So as a family, kind of that continu that's continued. But um, we did we did some amazing fundraisers. So we did some memorial stuff because we thought, oh, this kid's amazing. Like, this is such a loss. Let's, let's do a couple of things. And before we knew it, we were just fundraising like, epic amounts of money and um, give an example what you do for a fundraiser was it all linked around sport yeah so yeah. steve was training to be a PE teacher he was a he was a decent footballer he represented england's youth sides mm. uh, youth school sides at football so he, he was really decent so um uh, it came from the fact that at his funeral the family asked for some funds and they didn't want to keep them they didn't want to give them to another charity so we decided to divvy them up to some uh, like different sporting projects we bought some football goals for Bournemouth school and a long jump pit for his junior school and stuff uh, so yeah that 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 would that was really cool but those fundraisers we did fancy dress fun runs along the beach uh, and we got hundreds of people to these things we we were selling out like dinners mm. sportsmen's dinners and stuff and it's really interesting when you speak to people um, about the their events grounding. So often it starts in that kind of stuff, yeah. things that were personal to them or important to them. And it's really like a development from that mm. point onwards. Mm. Um, and, and we just raised shed loads of money. And I mean, we're about three grand short of half a million pounds raised wow. now. It's been amazing to see that kind of come together. And, and we've done some such amazing fundraisers over the years. We cycled from Rome to Bournemouth in 2015. Uh, that, that was amazing. 40 grand, I think we raised from that. Brilliant. So all of that money is... Um, as, as, and it's all gone into sporting projects. So yeah, from that point of view, it's been amazing for them. But selfishly, it's been amazing for me as well. Yeah. And I, like I said to you right at the start, that I consider that Steve's gift to me yeah. has been the fact that in his memory, I built this event portfolio. And over time, I then went to work for um, Cancer Research UK and the Bobby Moore Fund as a, as a volunteer. So, so, so you, you were doing the Steve Bernard Foundation. You mm. set it all up. And at the age of 18, 19, 20, what was your next move from there? Was it going to the Bobby Moore yeah. Fund? Uh, where were they based? Yeah, so I did um, So I did the Steve stuff at uni. So yeah. while I was 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I left university. I was like, 
Christ, what do I go and do now? And the whole way through university, I, I'd worked and I was an assistant manager of a pub. So I did what all graduates do and went and worked in a pub, um, which was um, which was fine. I, I, I enjoyed it. And actually, I think that kind of hospitality grounding is so, like I see at Bournemouth Sevens, actually, so many good people come out of hospitality. Agreed. Agreed. And it's one of my biggest frustrations is that the hospitality industry is kind of considered an inferior job role like people who are good at bar working behind bars or good waitresses or whatever um it's not considered a high level skill yeah. it absolutely is and absolutely should be considered 100 and yeah. you know what when people come in and, and they say we want to work with you what have you done in the previous i've worked in restaurants i've been a barmaid i've been straight away my ears prick up again they've got people skills yeah let's absolutely. get them in where i think a lot of businesses look at it and go oh they've only worked behind a bar or they've only worked as a restaurant you know a waiter mm. or a waitress I, I find I look the other way, mm. you know, so I think you learn a lot. Yeah, I, I think if you can deal with someone who's had a skinful is being yeah. an intolerable pain in the backside yeah. uh, and talk them down and resolve a situation yeah. with them, like dealing with a sponsor who's slightly frustrated or yeah. someone else that comes from another left field is so much easier. <laughs> so I think that grounding in hospitality is really important. So mm. whilst I did feel a bit like I wasn't really using my degree while I was doing that, I still really look back on it favorably. and. I, and still use some of those skills. I'm still a licensee for Bournemouth Sevens and uh, yeah. and stuff. So that skill set is really good. But after I decided that I wanted to kind of focus and switch from a job to a career, um, I decided to apply for a voluntary internship in London. Uh, so I was like, Christ, living in London is going to be expensive. Mm. <laughs> but I was I took a bit of a gamble and went and did a, a three month placement for for nothing, but lived with my cousin, um, and that was working for the Bobby Moore Fund, which is uh, bowel cancer research part of Cancer Research UK. And, and he's also ex West Ham legend. West Ham legend, yeah, Just England legend, there. yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and and we did some amazing stuff. So that was in the um, high net worth individual part of uh, the Cancer Research UK. So yeah. it was all about dealing with famous faces, celebrities. Um, the two events I did there were um, a golf day with Harry, ironically, yeah. um, and Roy Hodgson. And I... Did he, did he turn up on time, Harry? He, he was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah we had okay. some amazing people Brilliant. through the door. Uh, Clive Tilsley, who's uh, the ITV commentator, he hosted the day. Um, and such a cool kind of experience to see all of that come together and play a really important part in it. I think that's one thing events gives you. It gives you that opportunity to play a role in something that the big picture, the grand front of it is amazing, yeah. um, but the little bit behind the scenes and you know that you played a role in yeah. stuff like that. It's Good cool. For you. So. so you did that for three months. How old were you then, roughly? 21. 21. And, yeah. and were you thinking, right, this is going to get my foot into the door into the events industry? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I And I thought I wanted to do the big London thing. I thought I wanted to see that. And after three months, I knew I absolutely didn't. And I wanted to get back to the, the coast as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, so I did uh, I did three months there. They asked me to stay on for another month for an extra event, which was which was really nice. And um, they did. I actually, they offered me a job at the end. Um, but as I said, London's not yeah. for me. It wasn't, I, 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 I love the coast. I love being near sort of friends and family so um, I decided to come away and uh, went to work for a company that did um, pre-erected camping villages for Formula One tracks all around Europe so we went and did that and worked for a guy who to this day is genuinely one of the worst people I've ever met um, and <laughs> name <laughs> yeah, what's his won't, name won't be naming him uh, but, what's his first name uh, no it begins with an S um, uh, he was he was he was a novice um, uh, do you know what though um, I, I didn't really enjoy the job he was well out of his depth um, I think he's still running his business so he's obviously found some people to Mm. Um, the business model was good actually uh, but he had zero people skills mm. um, 
uh, and I really didn't like it. Uh, and I didn't like the lack of structure in his business. I, I was like his first member of staff and it, he just didn't do. Um, and I probably also didn't give it everything because I didn't, I wasn't getting anything no back. Respect. And yeah, yeah, I just didn't. And for me, um, those kind of parts of your career or that those parts of your journey are just as important as the bits Absolutely. that go well because you learn so much from those and I developed a skill set um, and an empathy for situations from that that I think really has kind of benefited me quite well so yeah. um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change it I definitely wouldn't go back and work yeah. for him but um, I like I, I learned I learned an awful lot from yeah. going through that journey yeah. so and then what you then come back to Bournemouth and what was your what was your move then yeah I came back to Bournemouth then went to run a pub for 18 months um, because a friend of mine had uh, his dad had bought it a venue in Wimborne which was originally called Bonkers and then got rebranded as Vibe Lounge um, Wimborne's only late night bar <laughs> for, for good reason um, but no that, that was that was cool good couple of years and then um, yeah at 24 I, I knocked on the door here so mm -hmm. um, yeah that, it was I, I look back at that and um, obviously it's all, all 10 years ago now yeah. but um, th that I learned a lot from all of the different yeah. component parts of that journey but I think stuff, that's, so. that's the important thing here is anyone who's going into the events industry everything that you're doing you're learning and learning and it all add value to your next opportunity yeah. and it's, it seems like this is the route that's gone down yeah. and then after your Wimborne um, what was your next step then? Uh, so I having worked in Bournemouth Town Centre for a little while um, I knew Ben Reynolds from Coca Loco, um, and they had hosted a few different nights in Barmy, which is a venue I used to manage. Um, and they basically came up to me and said, um, "Have you heard of Dodge? Have you heard of Bournemouth Sevens? Um, we think it'd be great to do an introduction." And uh, I had heard of Bournemouth Sevens um, at that stage, which was so. I went to see the event in in 2010, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is." pretty cool it was it was two years old um at that stage um and uh really loved it and then kind of spoke to ben on and off for a little while um and i think it was in in february 2011 um dosh had a, uh, you had a conversation with ben and it just kind of went from there really we yeah. had a, an initial sit down um and i was running a, a venue as i said in wimborne it was a kind of quite a cushy little number yeah. it was two open three nights a week and it was full-time salary like 21 grand or something yeah. so i was sat there going well this is all right yeah. it's not ideal but um but when that kind of came up i was like yeah. i knew in a heartbeat um my mum's always said to me when you know uh, like you know a decision's the right one when there's no decision to be made yeah. um and i've always believed in that and yeah. like everything about that's a good from, one liner from your mum that is yeah, it's yeah. true isn't it yeah mum's mm. an absolute saint yeah. so um yeah so i i knew that it was worth it and mm. i and i and we obviously sat down a few times and um, I came in for a couple of interviews, shaking like a leaf, <laughs> super nervous. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I remember like, yeah, it, it was it was a really nerve wracking period. But mm. I remember going through that kind of recruitment process and us having a conversation where you were like, you're kind of above what we can afford at the moment. And I was, uh, yeah, we kind of had conversations backwards and forwards mm. that way. And um, it, but I just knew I, I had to take it and yeah. I had to, I wanted to work in the events industry. I love the events industry. I've always wanted to bring people together, as I said, right at the start. And it's in Bournemouth and I love it around here. Mm. So it's kind of like the perfect yeah, scenario. It's definitely the right move for you, mate. Mm. 11 years on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting though, because I remember you coming in and um, I think the role was a marketing role. And at yeah. the time, that was completely opposite to everything you were about was marketing. Yeah. But I remember just chatting and we went back and forth and uh, my wife and I, we couldn't afford it. Yeah. I remember finding out what you were on 21. It was like, 
we just can't afford to keep you know to have anyone on this price i remember and then we come back and we said to you i think it's the second or third time we met look we've got 14 grand <laughs> i'm really sorry but that's all we can afford to. Yeah. and we both took a leap of faith in each other yeah and never never regretted that decision yeah. like i think um and that again is maybe a bit of advice for someone out there that's going on embarking on their events journey it might not be the start might not be everything that you want it to be but if you kind of trust your instincts and yeah. go with something then i think it's i think it makes sense and i moved home i was living with friends at the time and i moved home i was like I don't need to be paying rent and you can you can make money work and actually the really interesting thing about the lower levels of income is the differences because of tax yeah. breaks and stuff like that it isn't vast amounts of yeah. difference to your, your take home and as you kind of progress up the pay scale you realize mm. that more and more so mm. um it I, we made it work absolutely yeah. and 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 fortunately and very fortunately i remember you saying to me on day one if if the business does well i'll do well um and you've always been you and fur have always been very true to your word in that and and that happened very quickly for me because we achieved things very quickly so um Whilst I, I often kind of recount that story of starting on 14K and stuff, I, I didn't stay on it for very long. And, no. and you guys were very supportive through yeah. that journey. And um, I actually started in the March before a May festival, which uh, I still to this day believe is the best time to start yeah. because you you land and you get running immediately. You have absolutely no opportunity to do anything other than that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was really yeah. great. Brilliant. It's best time to come in two months before mm. a festival all feet in let's go yeah, yeah. what's your what was your movements within the company when that sort of like 2011 what was your experience of working at your at the first festival for you personally knowing that you're part of something that has got huge potential we didn't know what the potential was back then it was year three what was your what was your feeling there yeah 2011 uh was an uh, absolute kind of yeah it, it, i learned so much and i worked so hard and i ran around like uh, till I was blue in the face. Yeah. Like honestly, I, I remember um, remember supporting kind of the the, the bars team really, and, and running round and just filling any gap that needed filling. And I just remember just working relentlessly, yeah. um, and not just at the festival itself, but that two months before. Um, because the team was so small at that point, it was like we were finishing at midnight and we were back in at, at 7 a.m. the next yeah. morning, like yeah. every day. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, God, this is a lot. And then thinking, I don't even care. Yeah. Like I, there was such a kind of culture of let's just get it done. Let's yeah. just let, let's just make it happen. And um, Sophie, who was a commercial director at the point then, but leading the business day to day, um, I, I learned a huge amount from her, like it, it just in the office environment. Um, and I, I'm hugely thankful for kind of the stuff that she learned. And actually from from everyone that I've worked for in this business, I, I've, I've taken a huge amount from that. So yeah, we, we were working relentlessly. Um, and I actually think one of the things that we needed to do over the years is stop that, like yeah. those late night finishes and early starts because they're unsustainable. And actually I think as the team gets better and more experienced you can develop a culture which gets ahead of the game yeah. on some of that stuff but that year 2011 in particular was the, the lead up was crazy but i loved every minute yeah. of it um, and then the event itself was was crazy uh, crazy hard as well i remember um i've always been quite a sensitive soul uh, and something went wrong um with one of our traders on site and i remember him having a go at me and i was just like almost in tears mm. i remember talking to fleur about it uh, and I, I just remember going into the to the office and having a conversation and going through all of that journey and and but again 
learning from it yeah. uh, learning that actually uh, that situation wasn't the be all and end all yeah. of event delivery and yeah. one guy having a go at you about something that isn't really your fault yeah. is but you learn from it you yeah, develop a skill set from that yeah. so, so what, was your, what was your movements then sort of 2011 12 13 14 if you could sort of give us an overview of your movements within the company yeah so i had um I had all sorts of job titles. Um, <laughs> what did yeah, you start off as? Uh, so I was national events manager originally. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up supporting Sophie uh, a lot in kind of the commercial work. So I became a commercial manager. Not my passion really in, in terms of developing and activating marketing schedules and stuff like that. But one of the things we did do through all of that period was really start to refine processes. We moved from doing stuff on email to doing stuff with proposals. Um, and I really loved that kind of bounce of creating new ways of doing things and then enhancing ways of doing things. So it very quickly became apparent that I actually, the bit I wanted to get involved with the most was the delivery of yeah. taking the concept from uh, the idea that we had at the start of year to the point where people walk through the door and you're creating an amazing festival experience. That for me was the, that's where I wanted to go. Um, so I slowly and gradually took some stuff over from Alan who had been involved with you since year one. And uh, again, it's huge shout out to him because yeah. I've learned loads from him over the years, who's our site manager still to this day. Great guy. Yeah, amazing, amazing man. And hugely generous with his time yeah. and his knowledge. Um, and I can't think of a better person to be that man on site that when, you, when stuff really goes wrong, yeah. you're like very calm very connected yeah. and stuff like that yeah. so um yeah so took took basically some of his role and he worked remotely so what i was able to do was then kind of take a lot of what he did remotely uh, add some structure to it formalize it document it so we knew where we are we could start looking then at project plans budget plans all that kind of boring stuff but the more of that that you have in place the better yeah. place you are as a business to progress yeah. so um yeah so i went to be on project manager um and uh from there to senior project manager and then um very fortunately in, in 2015 to become uh, event director and one thing that i've always loved about this business is um there's been a couple of times where i felt like i was nearing a ceiling uh, myself and you go what do i do next and you start to think about your future and where you need to go to and and stuff like that and and yourself and Fleur have always been incredibly generous with going actually there, there is no ceiling there's no limit to where you can get to if you keep working and keep delivering so um and all of this stuff happened quite young and and um I was uh, yeah made events director with kind of responsibility for the the delivery of the event and and stuff like that so yeah and then um, my my yeah. attitude with all of that is if you're good enough you're old enough mm. and I still I still to this day believe in that and the amount of people i think there's three or four now we've made directors under the age of 30. Mm. so age is age is just a number if you're good enough and you're delivering and you're really impressing and you i remember you coming in craig and impressing from day one and i've just seen you grow into this wonderful events expert and you cover so many different angles you're not just like sitting one angle you you create so many different opportunities and you're so helpful to other people within the company and how the company's grown. And I always remember saying to you from the start, if we grow, you're going to follow the same route mm. as us. And we stuck by our words and, you know, to, to see your progression within the company has been, has been fantastic. Mm. So then 2016, the big year for you. Yeah. And again, actually, ironically, it kind of started with um, kind of a period of what comes next. Like for me early in that year, you, you never kind of quite know. And 
Um, I was like, right, events director, and um, and then I was like, right, okay, so 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 where next? I'm I'm ridiculously ambitious, so I always want to be the best version of yeah. myself, as everyone in this business does and yeah. stuff. So, um, and and then as the situation unfolded, and and Sophie moved on to a new opportunity, and um, yeah, all of a sudden the, the, there was kind of a managing director role available for for myself in in Bournemouth Sevens and and for Stephanie in Viper Ten, um, and that for me again was like wow like there is no ceiling i can kind of push on through and and keep delivering and um i i as i said earlier i've got a huge amount of respect for how things have been done previously and 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 that kind of thing but i also wanted to do it in my own way i have my own way of dealing with people of of doing things um and i really wanted to to implement that and to try and try and change um try and just make it better try and and for the end result of that to be a better festival i guess um but for me there was a bit of a and i've noticed this over the years like a bit of a subtle transition from i used to love events because i loved the nuts and bolts and i still do a lot of that but i actually now do it because i love the people i work with i love the culture and environment that we have in our organization that sits behind the scenes. I, I'm fortunate to work with just incredible people. Yeah, I, um, I, I really am. And I love that every day. I literally love that every day and seeing them progress. Um, and we've just been through like a really tough couple of years, but to see everyone stick together through that period mm. has been amazing. Um, yeah, I, I I was looking at it earlier. I've worked with forty two people in this business yeah. um, in right? ten years. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I worked through everyone and I counted them up. And um, in a small business, that's quite a lot. And I think at most that was thirteen when we had both Bournemouth Sevens and Viper Ten running simultaneously. Yeah. And I've but again, I've learned from my interactions with each of those people. There's mm. some of them that. Uh, probably were a bit out of their depth, yeah. um, but some that were absolute, incredibly high performers. Um, mm. And when you see someone as they come through the door um, and where they develop to when they either leave or that kind of continued progression, uh, that for me is literally why I love coming to work. Yeah. So ve- for a very long time, the festival had been my baby. Yeah. It's the thing I love delivering most. Um, but for me, genuinely, that second now to being part of a culture and a business and environment that mm. deli- that delivers that festival mm. because that for me is is super important. What change do you reckon you you what, what stamp did you put on? Do you think the most in 2016 when you become managing director here? I think I wanted to I wanted to change the business culture a little bit. It, it's it's always been good, so it's certainly not a criticism of, of what went before. But I really wanted. Um, to to get a settled team that stayed in place for a long time and we've got that now so we've got all of our senior team are maybe five or six years in post which is which is amazing um you always get turnover of stuff of course you do but we seem to have quite a lot prior to that so i wanted to really kind of settle that down you'll know from dealing with me I, i like to try and stay as calm and as level as i can through kind of any situation so the peaks and troughs of event delivery um what i really wanted to do is try and keep a, a level through that and of course this is a high pressure environment and running into the festival it's always going to be high pressure and running through difficult times it's always going to be high pressure um but i really wanted to maintain and build a like a level of resilience in the business so that we could sustain our way through those yeah. and we got to really enjoy the good times together um and then when the rubbish times come and of, of course they do you knuckle down as a collective yeah. and, and kind of push through them together yeah. so yeah for me it was just a, a it's kind of a subtle shift in culture a, a kind of a 
even things like changing our office to how it looks so it better reflects us as a business than a, a kind of a white corporate with gray carpet kind of stuffy environment. All of that kind of stuff, I think, has, has been really kind of integral to my role. And I've loved it. I've mm. loved developing my personal skill set and managing people. Mm. Mm. And we, with you moving on from 2017, 18, mm. 19, what really stands out to you in throwing those festivals? The growth. Yeah. Like the growth is staggering. Yeah. Um, and I remember, and I, I recount this story quite often, but in 2012, um, I went to the UK Festival Awards for the very first time. And I was like, oh, UK Up in London. Lords. Yeah, it was at the Roundhouse, Black Tie. Uh, and I remember sitting on the table and I was up there with with uh, two or three other people. Um, and everyone at the table was like, who are you? I'm like, yeah. I'm Craig from Bournemouth Sevens. They go, what? Yeah. I've not heard of it. What's that? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you explain the concept, you explain the model. They go, that sounds wicked. Love to yeah. come and see it. And and that's been amazing. Um, but in 2017, I was really fortunate to, to go up with Paul, who's our events director. Um, and we, we, we won an award um, for the best non-music uh, non UK festival. And I was like, wow. And people were coming up to us going, yeah. you you guys absolutely smashed this. What, yeah. what a business, what a concept. Yeah. Um, so that profile of the organization is amazing but it's well justified and it's well earned because the festival is amazing um and i'm of course biased it's my it's my, it's my every day mm. um but there isn't a better atmosphere at a, a uk festival um and actually we're really proud of what we do the business the business is well established it's well set up the model is is great like we we don't have we bring people together to be together yeah. because they have shared passions and shared experiences yeah. not because they're chasing after a headline act that they can see at yeah, another great. 30 festivals that's, that's over an the course of the summer. So. That's interesting uh, what you're saying there because uh, someone sent a post on into my Instagram the other day and said, can't believe Bournemouth Sevens have sold out 30,000 people and they haven't even put their lineup up, out. That's crazy. It, it just made me sit back and go, we were ballsy back in the day to, to hold off and hold off to put big line acts because we knew all the other big festivals out there putting, spending 1 million, 2 million, 3 million before they even sell a ticket puts them under serious amounts of pressure. Mm -hmm. And we held off for eight years or nine years, I think. Oh no, we're well, coming into year 14 now. I think we held off for like 10 years. Yeah, and I think so. And I think what's been really cool is being able to add that in later. Yeah. So being able to carry say, on the top. Yeah, here's just a little bit of value and, yeah. and stuff like that and go on that journey. I have to say, personally, it's one of my least favorite parts of my job is dealing with the kind of agents, the, the agents yeah, and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and I think some, they obviously have a bit of a bad rep for the industry as a whole but i mean we have dealt with some really nice ones some yeah, really great. positive and supportive ones um but particularly when you're looking for acts i remember i looked after entertainment for a little while and when you're reaching out to people and getting zero responses or you get one yeah. one word replies two emails yeah. um just rude it is rude and yeah. i i am a genuine believer there's no reason in business to be rude yeah, um right. it like why yeah. why not just find that time to be a nice human mm. um and there are parts of the our industry which i in the past didn't particularly like yeah. Um, with that said, over the last couple of years, I think um, agents have, have been as hard hit by anyone and I've seen a bit of a shift in how yeah. they deal with people and their tone in conversations. It's actually so, quite refreshing, I have it, to say. Yeah, it is really nice. So, um, But yeah, for, for me, the, the standout has been the just continuous year-on-year -year growth in yeah. terms of numbers, profile, reputation. Um, it's brilliant. And that means that every year we can make it better. Um, and we're really keen, I think, as a business to make sure it's sustainable. So yeah. making sure that we don't, double in size one year can't sustain it and fall yeah. over we want to add 
I don't know, however many each year yeah. on year, know that the event's getting bigger, yeah. know that it's getting protecting better. the festival, uh, protecting all the angles. people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, and the, being part of that journey is joyous. Um, I think one of the best things you ever did was call it a festival when it yeah. probably wasn't a festival. Yeah. Um, but I'd say probably in the last five, six, seven years, it, it's actually it's become popped, a festival. It, it yeah. is, it is wicked. For me, I think it was twenty twelve was the turning point. Mm. So we did 2008, 9, 10, 11. I always called it a festival. Yeah. But it was 2012 when I turned, I was like, oh, here we go. Mm. This is actually, it feels like it's turning into a proper festival now yeah. rather than a sport and music event for a long weekend, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. And now it's turned into something that people around the world are talking about in those rugby netball playing countries, your Dubai, your Hong Kong, your Australia, New Zealand, even Japan in the World mm. Cup. When I was out there, people on the plane talking about Bournemouth, it's amazing. Yeah, it no, really is sure. amazing. Is there a year that really stands out for you, for your best ever year as a Bournemouth Sevens Festival? Yeah, there's two years that stand out for me. Uh, 2019 was yeah. amazing. Oh my God, like, that was ridiculous. So <laughs> the site looked incredible. Yeah. I actually, uh, on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, which is our last day of our build, walked around our site and didn't want customers to arrive because they'd mess it up and yeah. it looked so yeah. pretty. Uh, like, sincerely, <laughs> true, it was it? Yeah. amazing. The yeah. site looked wicked. Um, over the last few years, we've really invested in... Um, arenas theming yeah. um it just looked so so nice uh caterers were great like the build had gone perfectly yeah. the site was just in such a lovely situation um and then people came in and we had our best ever numbers best ever performers yeah. uh, it was it was like Same. it's really easy to fall back on your last festival and say it was the best but it was by a mile yeah. um so 2019 and then 2014 for me um is the lesson that is the year i learned the most lessons from it was our wet year so we um had some really difficult decisions to make in in bad weather that was and tough wasn't it that was day, so Saturday. tough Jesus yeah, yeah. that was like, like we've been really lucky over 14 years with weather but that 2014 when that torrential rain came down mm. on a Saturday morning I was like oh my god yeah no it was and it was it was brutal so <laughs> I stay on site I sleep on site and I was sleeping in the changing rooms above the clubhouse down there yeah. which is a lovely location um, <laughs> and watching the rain just kind of piddle through the window yeah. and I was like that is that is heavy rain yeah um, and I remember I woke up about half five that morning and got Alan the site manager out of bed and we went and had a wander around and it was like it was deep Thick, it, in it? locations it yeah. was properly deep and i remember having a conversation with you we were like let's give it a, let's give it half an hour let's give it an hour um unfortunately the site benefits from amazing irrigation yeah. uh, and it's very dull to talk about irrigation yeah. on a podcast but we will um <laughs> and uh, but and the, all of the water drained away and by mid-morning this yeah. the site was perfect that's right um and uh, and even the sun came out later in that yeah. weekend so yeah. um it, it was incredibly rough it made the back of house areas foot deep of mud yeah. we actually lost some temporary roadway it's like hid in the mud it's yeah. disappeared we'll never yeah. see it again yeah. um there was a, what can only be described as a swamp in the back corner of our event site mm. but the public facing side never really never really kind of got too much damage um and then um yeah so and we got through it and i remember everyone walking around in boots in boots and wellies and all that yeah. kind of stuff and it was so hard like everything is harder like yeah. you can't imagine how much more difficult it is to get stock around a bar stock around a site yeah. when yeah. you can't move yeah. um, so yeah that, that for when, me when, was really difficult but mm, I learned loads from yeah, it yeah loads but that's important mm. that's really important I remember being at I remember sitting in a stand and I would just have my head in my hands going oh my god no what mm. if no one turns up even though they bought pre-sold tickets yeah, I was thinking yeah. 
what's going to happen to the bars? All of a sudden, everyone was just like, sod that. Everyone just went into the bars and got on the smash. It was mm. fantastic. <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> and it's euphoric, isn't it? And yeah. people like to party. And um, I think after, the, as, I said, as I said earlier, after the last couple of years we've had now, like bad weather. That's the least whatever. thing of my worries, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot from that year as well because we had to have some conversations with the sports club afterwards um, around uh, reinstatement of the ground and, right, and, yeah. and stuff like that. And actually, that was probably one of the first difficult conversations I was in that mm. was required negotiation back mm. and forth strength of like decision making um, and I, I really enjoyed that and yeah. I really learned a lot from that and going on that journey so I've, I've always actually you're in your really element. enjoyed that yeah. you're in your element when you're stuff like even yeah. when we went to um, to get a bigger license mm. you're in your element representing us there to get a bigger license back yeah. in 20 we've done it twice yeah so 2017 I think yeah that's um, right yeah 2017 and 2014 yeah. so yeah so it, and we've done that as I said earlier we've done it gradually we've yeah. added sensibly sensible numbers yeah. made sure that the community is can is well looked after during that process yeah. we've got everything in place to look after the people that are yeah. coming through the gates going stuff, back to your so. point a minute ago you said oh you, you said oh, 2019 was the best year and it's funny you say that every one of my friends goes what was you know if they didn't turn up yeah. in 2011 or 2013 said what was it like i was like oh my god it was amazing it was our best ever year mm. and i keep saying the same mm. thing and they're like, oh, you sound like a broken record. But genuinely, because our standards are so high and we're always adding more to the festival and creating more of an experience, it genuinely is. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, 2019 was by yeah. a long way the best. Uh, actually, I thought 2017 was better than 2018. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I don't know why, I just had a better time, a better experience and stuff like that. So the festival looked better and improved year on year, yeah. but like it's just personal preference, isn't yeah. it? But um, 2019, absolutely for me. And the We weather. smashed it out and the, the park. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was great. Um, and our audience is great. Like that that's the thing. There's, there's nothing nicer than being stood on the gate as people are leaving on Monday lunchtime, yeah, yeah. uh, being like people just saying, "I've just had the yeah. best weekend of my year," yeah. and to know that you played a part in that yeah. all kind of coming together, yeah. I think is really, really, really good. I love that feeling, and I love the feeling when everyone turns up yeah, and you're yeah. at the front gate, they're yeah. saying hi to you, and we're saying hello to everyone. The excitement on their faces, and then knowing they've got three days of party and playing sport and having fun, mm -hmm. and when they leave, they look very different to when they arrived. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. So let's move on to 2020. 2020 was a big year for you personally, out of work and in work. Let's talk about 2020 for you. The the year of the COVID. Um, mm. How was it? I mean, first and foremost, it's been brutal for our industry. Uh, I think the events industry as a whole has been has been battered by um, just a pure lack of understanding at government levels and probably a lack of appreciation for the work that goes into delivering experiences in the public. Yeah. I just don't think they get it. Yeah. I just think they arrive at these things and they think at they government just level. Haven't. No, I think the public as well. Oh, okay. I think both levels. I think what's been really important is educating everyone about how hard it is to do what we do so the government just didn't understand they use uh, and i've said this a few times they use events as their flagship opportunities for uh, photographs they say look at this amazing olympics we created or this that we created um but they and they understand the big things so the wembley's and the the Wimbledon but the, what they don't understand is the 70 billion pound industry that underpins all of that that Agreeing. keeps suppliers organizers freelancers in work through that time so a huge amount of work has had to go on informing the government about 
how the industry works and starting conversations where there weren't previously those conversations. So that's been horrible and hard to do, but also quite fun. Like yeah. also I like I'm a big believer that in difficult situations you can actually learn a lot and take a lot away and develop. Yeah. So I look I will look back on this time as really, really rough, really, really terrible for the industry in terms of some bits, but actually a whole whole positives as well i think the public just doesn't understand how hard it is i mean my mates they constantly take it take the mick out of me because they're like what do you do for the other 51 weeks a year Uh, i'm like well actually we spend that whole year planning the next one it's um but they go to these experiences and they love them so don't get me wrong but they probably just don't comprehend the the level of detail that goes into them so yeah that, that that was that was really difficult i think we um when when the it all kind of emerged, we sat down in our safety advisory group meeting, which is where we bring all our multi-agency partners together, and we we did that in February. And the multi-agency partners are police, licensing, um, health and safety, security, all those kind of people. Um, and we sat down in a meeting, and we really do that process really well. Uh, and that's another part of my job that I love. We've taken that and raised risen it to another level. Um, we could have sat in kind of a standard SAG process. So safety advisory group is called a SAG, so a standard one. But actually what we do is we went, right, we want to be, we're the biggest of ticketed event in our in our region. So we need to be setting the bar for how we deliver yeah. safety. So um, we spent loads of time doing that. And we had our first SAG pre-2020 in February. And at that point it was, there's this virus in China, just keep an eye on it. But we're not quite sure if it will emerge. And uh, and I think we had seen that over the years, there'd been a variety of pandemics and uh, flu related illnesses and stuff, which there was considerations that they may have, uh, SARS and MERS and stuff, which they thought might have become something, but never had. Um, but what happened then was it became something it became pretty huge Mm. and something that we had to deal with so it was on the radar in february but in march um we decided that we we had very little chance of happening in may that year so we decided to move the the festival to august um and we did that collectively as a team and it it was a good process it was hard work but we thought well definitely by august we'll be fine i remember actually having a conversation with our venue at the time who said do you think you might be able to do it in june because that seems all right uh and we were like no august feels a bit safer (laughs) And here we are a year and a yeah. bit later, still not quite open. Yeah. But we we had those conversations with the suppliers, contractors, staff, everyone. Overall, the level of support was was really, really high. And we basically moved to August and then fast forward into May and we knew there was no yeah. chance of events happening in 2020. Mm. It was just blatantly obvious. And we, we really lost out because we just didn't have that cover or that support um, to be able to claim against. So again, as we talked about financial risk earlier of delivering the festival, all of a sudden you and Fleur were pushed back 10 years into a financial position where you had to sustain a festival for, for one year. Mm. Um, and I think ultimately we know probably as a business it's high risk, high reward in mm. the festival industry. It's it is a lot. It's big gambles, um, but it comes back to you hopefully in the end, and you can then invest that money in developing your brand yeah. and your business forward. But um, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that would you might lose a festival one year because of bad weather or because of something happening at your event site mm. or whatever. But um, to see a pandemic that has created this level of uncertainty all the way through is 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 absolutely ridiculous how how were you emotionally in this time this period when we were we had the dangly carrot of going from what we kept we've had to postpone it from may and we're moving into august how were you emotionally in, in that period uh initially i was uh I'm quite good in the crisis. I mm. actually quite, it's, it's a bit weird to say enjoy, but 
solving problems is the nature of events people so i i was like right okay this is what we need to do and we progressed and when when we moved the the march to august one that was a positive forward step because we were protecting the, the, May, the May to August. Yeah, sorry. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, in March yeah. when we, yeah. So when we went from May yeah. to August, what we were doing there is we were protecting the business. Um, so we didn't know quite what that would look like in terms of customer complaints and stuff like that. So initially I was okay. Um, but then when we announced it and I had to deal with the, uh, so we put some of our staff on furlough and we were trying to protect the business at all angles. So my workload just disappeared through the roof. I went back to answering customer emails, yeah. which is something I hadn't done for years. And I was under it. Yeah, I was yeah. really, really, really under it. And it was hard. And yeah. I was uh, at home in a in an office working for 14 hours a day, mm. every day, mm. stood at a computer, which not with any friends. As I said earlier, my love of work is all about business and people. Yeah. And instantly that was cut off. Yeah. And I was trying to keep our team motivated and happy and support them through difficult times. So yeah, it was it was incredibly tough. And I, I, I got to a point later in the summer where I was just like, I need a break. I'm yeah. done. I need time off. Yeah. Um, and yourself and colleagues rallied around and were mm. like, right. And Dan, who's sat with us today, even dropped around a care package of brownies and treats and stuff. Mm. And honestly, that literally got me, like, I, I was almost in tears that day. Yeah. So I was like, people care. Yeah. And there's nothing quite as nice as people caring yeah. and realizing. So you do in business, it's really easy to get swallowed into it being the be all and end all yeah. you're like this is literally all that matters yeah. and sometimes you need to check that and you need to go yeah business is really important it comes to like, age. yeah it does mm. but also life is more important yeah. and health and and welfare is is yeah. more important so um so i went through that process and and then i've never worked harder yeah. i have never put in more time and energy yeah. and we have made no money yeah and we, <laughs> and we have been True. literally yeah. relying on your yours and Fleur's generosity some support from government and some of the mechanisms that were put in place by government furlough and that kind of thing were were really useful they mm. got they helped get businesses through but god it was difficult at the same time as i said a little bit earlier we trying to hunt for the positives in mm. these things like my profile in the industry just because i have been talking about this yeah. has grown in that last yeah. year and i've really enjoyed that being able to build networks of people through the sector that you never knew before because you had the time to or you were sharing mm. experiences together has been really beneficial and positive and i mean even things like building this podcast and this is this is your podcast but we created something amazing yeah. collectively as a team the studio that we're in today is was achieved in that time We've got uh, new members of staff working on a new project that will launch later in the year. All of that kind of stuff is, is a little bit of positive kind of things that we'd had over the year. Yeah. Silver lining. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I think the, re the, the converse of that is that I don't think for a year I had a day at Bournemouth Sevens where I felt, cool, that was a successful day for the business. Yeah. Because all of our wins were in surviving difficult situations not in progressing yeah. and we're positive pe people by nature so we're about progression we're yeah. about growing and improving the business mm. um, and we couldn't do that so we were literally swan on top yeah. <laughs> feet underneath yeah. just literally trying to make sure that we sustained and we we remained in place and mm. there's a hot this whole host of people people that have supported us from behind the scenes to, that have but in little bits of work to help us through and and all those kind of things. And actually in those difficult times, you realize who your friends are and you realize that for professionally as yeah. well. Those people that, um, those people that reach out and say, um, 
how how are you how are you getting on mm. those conversations were so much more appreciated mm. uh, through that difficult mm. time you've definitely gone through it haven't you 2020 yeah yeah it was incredibly difficult professionally yeah. um personally i had a really good year uh, and i think person on a personal note mm. i've seen you the happiest i've ever seen you yeah thank you yeah a, you know, and in work and whatever, yeah, but yeah. you've gone through 2020. We all have gone through tough times. Tell me about your happiness in 2020. Yeah, so I guess that came from dealing with dealing with my sexuality, which was something that I had struggled with for. So I first came out to a bunch of friends when I was 21 uh, on a lad's holiday because one of them outed me, arsehole. Um, <laughs> What's his name? Um, yeah, I won't <laughs> Um, so that was really difficult. Um, was that 10 years, uh, 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And then I came home. I told my mum and dad, but not my sister, yeah. uh, and told a few mates and then, then literally hid from it for a yeah. decade. I was like, I don't want people to know. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want it to be a defining characteristic of my of myself. Mm. I don't want it to close opportunities for me. I don't necessarily know that it would, but I dealt with it occasionally when I got pissed, but not properly. Yeah. I think it was Christmas 2018. Uh, I was literally lying. I, I was. It was Christmas, and I was. I was just in bits. I was so sad, uh, and I l went home to my mum's house. I literally lay on the bed. I was crying my eyes out. I had no reason to be crying my eyes out, but I was so inconsolably sad. Uh, I was like, God, this is shit. I like. There is a chunk of me that I hate. I literally hate that bit of me. So that's incredibly, incredibly difficult to be going through. And I just went through Christmas just like, I can't do this. I literally don't want to do this. And I never hit rock bottom, so to speak, but it was the lowest I've ever been as a human. And I got to the other side and I came back to work and after, after the kind of Christmas break, I actually hosted a New Year's Eve party because it had been in the diary for ages and I hated every second of it. <laughs> I was like, everyone's so excited about this. Year. I just <laughs> sod off, get out of my house. <laughs> Um, honestly, it was, it was rough. Um, and then uh, about a week into, so January 2019, uh, I got an email back from a, a counsellor. So I'd reached out to five counsellors. Three of them ignored me, never came back to me at all. One came back to me and said she was on holiday, but would come back to me when she got back. I never did. And then the fifth one, a guy called Anthony, replied and said, I haven't got anything at the moment, but I'll put you on the waiting list. I was like, cool, fine. And then I just kind of muddled back through work for me has always been an escape. So I make yourself busy. Yeah, hide myself. Suppress in work. it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. People have coping mechanisms, yeah. alcohol, drugs. Yeah. Mine is work. Okay. Like I just throw myself so deeply into my work that I haven't got time to think about how yeah. I feel. And then about three or four weeks after that, I went and saw Anthony and had a conversation and God counseling is rough. It is yeah, deep, honestly, I absolutely the best and hardest thing I've ever done or mm. probably will ever do. And I remember going and sitting down on in his chair in his office and like a few sessions or whatever and going home and curling up on the sofa, so tired. I couldn't explain how tired I was. It's like, it's like you've run a marathon, yeah. but you've done it emotionally and yeah. mentally rather than physically. And we explored a load of stuff and from my childhood and I have this big construct of normal, of what a normal life is. So yeah husband, wife, two children, yeah. and I couldn't achieve that. And I've always wanted children. I'm, I'm very good with children mm -hmm. and I always wanted that. And it always made me incredibly sad that I didn't see that in my future. But I got through it and I ended up having a conversation uh, and gradually over time, 
I found more and more comfort with being gay and 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 it's it's not a life choice. Anyone that says it's a life choice completely misses the point. You don't choose it. Mm. Um would I choose it? No, probably not because it's harder. Um but it's it's who I am. It's ingrained in me. All of the good parts of my personality, my care, my compassion, my empathy come from that nature of me. So if I took that out of me, I wouldn't be the same person I am otherwise. So um, I've taken a load of stuff from that um, and I've been on that journey and I sat down with my mum, dad and um, sister. I, I told my sister 10 years after, she was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know, but I've told you now. So, and she's like, yeah, I'm your sister. I knew, like, yeah, I knew yeah. before yeah. you knew. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. That's, that's wicked, Leanne. Um, and you know what? Uh, and it's it's one of these, you hear stories about people coming out and they're worried about judgment. They're worried about anger on the streets and stuff like that and undoubtedly there is still some of that there's still massive misconceptions out there i've never had any of it no one i've ever told has ever been anything apart from supportive and i think there's genuinely a massive change in society that is becoming more accepting of be whoever you want to be yeah if like doesn't matter like, does it? like yeah. to, to me like with, at work for instance as long as you do your job i literally don't care yeah. who you're at home with what your partner yeah. is all that kind of stuff is is super important so going on on that journey was and i went through that in 2019 i remember sitting down at the dinner table honest conversations with mum and dad all this kind of stuff both mum and dad at the time were like i absolutely i we, we don't care we love yeah. you for you we will always you you can literally come back blue dressed as a smurf yeah. we wouldn't care so yeah. i always knew that and i always grounded that but i never really explored that um, and me and my mum have a really good relationship but yeah. we never really talked about it my mum tried to talk to me about it a few times over the years but i ignored her and i was yeah. just like i'm oh, fine i'm fine mum. Yeah. don't worry about it yeah. and i was fine i was like achieving about 80 percent of my potential okay. because there was huge chunks of myself that was inherently unhappy yeah. um when you're when you know in yourself but you held that to yourself for 10 years were you dealing with that mentally every day waking up thinking thinking about it going to bed thinking about it was no i, I don't think it was that hard um there, there's a film the name of which escapes me where it takes a drug and achieves a limitless yeah it achieves a hundred percent of his capability. Yeah. Um, he takes a pill, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, and that for me was what it was like when I opened the door. You're afraid to have a conversation or you do things like, if you're gay, where you're like, oh, pretending to like women. It's like, oh yeah, she's really hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, literally, I don't care. I can't see you. I'm like, <laughs> um, so you're, you're just kind of pretending to be something that you aren't. Yeah. Um, it's really hard when you hear passing comments of judgment like when someone sees something rubbish and goes, oh, that's gay. Yeah. And you're like, well, actually, I've got an issue with that, but yeah. I can't have that conversation about right, the okay. fact that you've just said that yeah. is an issue. So all of that kind of stuff, I just like, I like to check people. I like to say, well, actually, well, why do you actually think that? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's part of me that was about reconfiguring myself as well. So I had some prejudgments and pre some preconceptions that were a little bit homophobic, but I was gay. Like mm. that's ridiculous yeah. when you think about it. But that's the nature of society that we grow we grow up in mm. and we build up and we and we work through. So um, I like I said, there was a chunk of me. There was a chunk of me that I physically hated yeah. that I didn't want to talk about that I didn't want to be so just imagine hanging that on your shoulder yeah. all day every day yeah. so getting rid of that releases me uh, and released me to be um, a kind of a much happier person and as I said that was in 2019 I went through that journey and in 2020 I uh, got on the dating apps found a boyfriend um, a guy called Dan who is um, a pediatric intensive care nurse uh, and 
honestly like when i go home and i'm like i had a, sh- had a shit day today and mm. he's like what happened i was like oh this happened to a contractor he's like oh, i saved a couple of babies lives yeah. i was like okay you win <laughs> um so like it's a really it's a really yeah. humble grounding yeah. um and he's so lovely with it and so supportive with yeah. it and um he's allowed me to to be a better and happier version of myself yeah. and I, th- I think everyone that knows me will say that that's the case um I'm just more comfortable in my yeah. own skin. Uh, and I feel for so many people, like I said, I am i haven't had the roughest outing or the roughest journey. It's been difficult for me, absolutely. Um, but the people out there who are sat at home today, like not prepared to be themselves because they're for fear of judgment. Like if you look at the Premier League, for instance, yeah. there's however many hundred professional footballers yeah. and there's not one game. Of course yeah. there is. Of yeah. course there's someone there, but they're too scared of what society is going to do to them as a result. Um, and actually when that happens, and rugby has been a bit of a leading light yeah. in that because people have come out in rugby and it's fine. Would you, would Who you, cares? Is a question for you. Mm. If you were playing for West Ham, would you come out and say, knowing you've got 60,000 fans in the stadium? I like to think I would, but yeah. would I? I don't know. Yeah. Like, well, like you, the, we live in this culture of social media bullying and hatred yeah. and like the trolls out there and all that kind of thing. Um, and people get hate for so much less. Yeah. Like I, it really frustrates me. I, I'm not really on Facebook, but uh, through the Pride Month that just take place, um, AFC Bournemouth posted some stuff about Pride and they have um, kind of all this kind of stuff around sexuality and stuff and still on facebook they get hate they get negative comments they get angry faces um and you're just like why why is it worth your time and energy to be hateful about someone being who they want to be because they're not Um, happy in their own skin yeah exactly that's all it is yeah but unfortunately social media just gives people that avenue to be horrible Mm. and to be spiteful and to be hate-filled knowing there's no repercussions Um, and that really needs solving Um, and that that is slowly I think being recognized but there's nothing to stop a 16 year old kid sat at home in his bedroom on his phone being racist to a footballer because he knows nothing's ever going to happen with it and and for me homophobia is the personal circumstance that I went through Um, but you've never you've never been abused. No, 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 I've never, had, no, no, no. So, so, so. But that's the thing that I resonate with. I see online and stuff, and yeah. go, oh, that, that. Um, but just societally, it's broader than that. It's discrimination in all types um, and lack of opportunity in all types, and and that that really does need addressing. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sat here saying like I've been perfect through this. Yeah. There's there's been stuff I've done in the past that yeah. I look back now and go, oh, misjudged that a little yeah. bit, or shouldn't have said that. So we need to find the right balance because you can't stuff. People do stupid stuff as teenagers. People make mistakes. Yeah. We need to not judge them and like castigate them for the rest of their lives yeah, for agree. a decision that they made when they were 17. Because I was an idiot when I was 17 yeah. at times. Yeah. But now as a 34-year-old, I'm sat here going, okay, well, let's just sh- share this message of it's not, it's just acceptance. Just yeah. don't care. Just stop caring. Just judge people on your personal interactions with them. If it's in a work environment, how good are they at their job? What what sort of thing is that? Mm. So, um, and we'll all be better in a better position for yeah. that. I'm not sure that'll ever happen, yeah. actually, if I'm honest. I think there has always been people out there who are full of hate. Um, the sad thing about society and technology now is it gives people the vehicle to do it mm. immediately. But let's let's just try and make it a bit better every day. Uh, and if we can keep doing that, then I think we'll all be better for yeah, it. Absolutely, mate. I think you were very brave when you come out and I saw the support around you. Mm. It was phenomenal. It and was, that just yeah. goes to show how many people love you. Mm. All of us. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So amazing, Craig. Thank you. Yeah. So 
festival. We're, move, we're now moving on to Bournemouth Sevens Festival in a couple of weeks' time. Just explain to people how you're seeing this festival. Well, first and foremost, uh, we cannot wait. <laughs> Tell me <laughs> we, about we it. We literally <laughs> cannot wait. 27 months of not yeah, throwing a party. Yeah, Jeez. Yeah, it's an, a ridiculous <laughs> amount of time. And I think people from the outside, they can, they kind of lump festivals and events in with hospitality. Yeah. Hospitality has been open at points. It's currently open. It's yeah. got some rules and restrictions on it, but it opened last year as well. We have literally been closed since March 2020. Yeah. We haven't earned a pound note yeah. since uh, since May 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we only realise our revenues uh, once a festival happens. So, yeah. um, of course, the financial side, but more than that, we just want people to come and have fun. We yeah. do what we do because we love people having yeah. fun. So uh, we can't wait. Um, it'll be here before we know it. That last 50 days before an event literally Flies. disappears. It's yeah. unbelievable. We're on site 11 days before the doors open to yeah. start building. So counter that in and all of a sudden you're 42 days away. How many staff each day? Oh, it ramps up. I think there's, yeah, there's 50 on day one of our build and it ramps all the way up to 800 over the weekend. Um, and do you know what? I really love sitting. So I really love how our pyramid of staff yeah. goes from the six or seven of us that are working on the festival yeah. and all of a sudden those people are yeah. right at the pinnacle of a team of 800 and I see uh, I see Paul, our events director or Matt or Dan in their roles over the festival yeah. leading teams of hundreds of people and you're yeah. like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, They're all amazing, lads, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I, they I, really like, our whole team is, yeah. is, is incredible. I, I genuinely and sincerely believe and I think all of them I think people from the outside would be surprised we're not a team of 12 yeah. uh, and we're a team of six or seven, yeah. uh, depending on who <laughs> who's helping on what day. But yeah. So, yeah, just that kind of collective aim to achieve and deliver a brilliant festival mm. is, is so exciting. We cannot wait. Our planning cycle is a year, yeah. like to deliver our festival, it takes a year. Yeah. Um, operationally, that's probably a solid six months yeah. of work. Um, and we have been doing that. Of course, we've been doing it because yeah. we need to be in place to be able to open the doors and deliver the festival. Mm. Um, but we've been doing that set against this backdrop of just the most ridiculous uncertainty. Yeah. Um, it's uncertainty that's paralyzing. It isn't the lack of a festival. Yeah. Because if you knew you couldn't deliver a festival, yeah. okay, you wrap your business Absolutely. up, you, you protect it, you go, okay, put it to sleep, it to sleep yeah. and you come back. What we've had, and partially of our own doing because we're so positive, is constantly being like, right, we're preparing for the next date. We're preparing for the next date. We're working hard on that, I'm not working hard on that, taking the knocks as they've come. They have inherently increased the pressure. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but I feel like that stress container is just edging up constantly mm. day by day by day mm. towards the point where we are able to open the valve. And I've done some mental health first aid training, so that's what that is. Yeah. Um, it's about opening that valve and allowing all of that stuff back out again. Um, I cannot wait for that sense of we just, we just have done it last year should have been my 10th festival yeah. uh so i've now done 10 years and this will be my 10th festival yeah. um that's a bit of a personal milestone yeah. that i'm really excited about and we'll really quickly turn around mm. into planning for year 15 mm. um so it's it's that kind of cycle but mm. yeah excited i think first Good. and foremost and how would you explain bournemouth sevens festival to someone who's never been probably the best way to describe it that i think of it's like a wednesday night student party all the sports teams in a field for a weekend in the most amazing Glastonbury-like setting. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. You will have the best time. We have 400 teams, uh, 30,000 people coming through the door, all like-minded, all with the same aims, ambitions, objectives, loving the best variety of music. And as we said earlier, it's not headline acts. We do have a few, but it's about 
fun, experience, laughter, experience, yeah. like-minded people around you, banter, yeah. uh, like good value is yeah, so in, integral to what yeah. we do. Like you can still come to Bournemouth Sevens Festival for a weekend normally, tickets starting 60, 70 pounds. Yeah. Like it's amazing value yeah. for a weekend. Um, and we're really like, that's really important to us. Mm. And we're really proud that we're where we are. We're mm. really proud to be based in Bournemouth. People travel en masse, not internationally this year, I mm. wouldn't imagine, mm. but nationally from all over the country. It's the stuff of legends. Like yeah. our beer tent is literally the stuff of rugby club legends. Yeah. And go, oh, I remember seeing that person there. Or Damn. and you, people are so proud. They're like, I came in 2011, and then I came again in 2017, mm. and now I've got my ticket for 2021. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. But just to wrap up here, Craig, I think you're an amazing human being. Thank you. You're an amazing managing director. I'm so glad to see you worked your way all the way through the company to become a shareholder and and really play a part in this this business. Um, you're loved by everyone. Um, 2020 has been a very difficult year for you, but I've seen you come out the other side. It's one of the happiest people I've come across. So huge respect to you, Craigo. You're a, a good friend and uh, you're well respected across the whole of the events industry. Thanks for coming on, mate. Thank you so much for having me and that really, really generous words. So I very much appreciate those. And yeah, here's to a very successful 2021 cool. and beyond. Cool. Thank you're you. a good man, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Craig. Thanks a lot.